I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up So I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like Who do you think you are? All righty, another day, another dollar Another one of my favorite episodes of my favorite podcast Yes, it's my own podcast And I gotta say, I'm super stoked I'm super excited Because this man, my guest We're like-minded people He's a podcaster He's a coach, he's a business strategist, public speaker, on and on, Forbes coaches, council member. Brian, here, I'll, I'll even I'll even read your bio or, or your, <laughs> as an ambitious, high-performing individual. It's easy to let your identity become tangled in your achievements. Countless executives, business owners, and top performers across all industries in the world suffer from burnout, lack of motivation, and even business troubles because their emotional triggers have taken over their personal and professional lives. The only way to move past these triggers and succeed sustainability, amen to that, is to take out your trash. Brian Bogert has helped countless men take out the trash by expertly digging into the root cause of their triggers, and uncovering the reasons why they react the way they do. If you ignore the trash, it only piles up and it will bury you. But with a designated space to face your triggers and rewire your mind to stop reacting in the way it does, you will clear out your emotional body and give yourself the ultimate chance to perform at your peak in life and business. How's it going, Brian? Omar, man, I'm happy to be here with you, brother. I uh, I always enjoy when you and I connect. And like you said in the beginning, we're like-minded and out there creating some collective impact together. So I'm happy to be here today, bro. You know what I love? You're going to laugh because this is truly rare. You and I were both both believers in business development, but you need the personal side because if you don't clean up the mind, body, spirit, the limiting beliefs, that shit will come back to haunt you. And Every time. it's usually, you know, business development or, oh, you know, you don't need that. You don't need the motivation. You don't need this. I hear it all the time from all these top business gurus. And it's like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree that's crazy? I, I think it's completely crazy. But, you know, that's the path that I followed because I didn't have another path that I saw available in the world, right? I mean, I chased all the what's. I, I had the house, the car, the money, the success. I still have a lot of it. But the point was, is I had it all by the age of 27, but it cost me who I was. And it's not too different than a lot of the people that I coach or people that we've had on our podcast, right? People worth tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases who wake up at some point after having chased monetary success only for their lives and realize they're as empty as their 15,000 square foot house. The reality of it is, is what's the point of life if you've got a full bank account, but you're empty inside. And so that's what we're consistently trying to help people do is reconnect with themselves, deepen the relationship and trust they have internally. So that can permeate out into every other relationship in their world. You know, oh, I forgot to tell you, dude. Happy birthday, man. You're oh, thank you. Me. Thank you. <laughs> Monday's my birthday, but unfortunately, trade spaces, I turned 50 on Monday. So, oh, nice. Monday's the Monday's the twenty fourth, right? Twenty fourth, yeah. That's my daughter's birthday, bro. I share a birthday with my daughter. You see, great minded people. We're both Leos, and we're both born on Simone Boulevard, who's like the George Washington of South America. So it's South America. It's a holiday, national holiday for all of them. So yeah, that's amazing. You know, happy birthday! Thank you. You're gonna laugh, dude. I was social media stalking your stuff and YouTube. I come across our episode. And I'm wearing the same shirt, dude. And it's like, I don't want people to look at our material. I mean, I'm not at my house. 
had to do this episode at my girlfriend's because my time, uh, you know, I was running short on time. But yeah, I want people to be like, man, either that guy, it's his only shirt or it's his lucky shirt. <laughs> <laughs> A little lightheartedness. Yeah, dude, I was one of those. I was, I was married, had success. I thought was success because growing in a working class neighborhood, it was always, hey, money. Once you hit money, that's it. You know, the nirvana, the rainbows, the unicorns. And I kept on already at a point where we could have even retired at that. And I was so empty. I was just like went through the motions. And, you know, I, the limiting beliefs, you know, the self-destructive behavior happened, got a divorce money came and went went to attorneys went to you know it's always cheaper to keep her i guess and then it hit on me that it was it's never someone else's job and there's no you can't buy a tesla you can't buy you can't go on a trip and go oh my gosh wake up and go i've arrived happiness is one of those things like what you say you have to empty out the past you have to empty out the wounds. You have to pick yourself up and pretty much say, I deserve it, don't right? You do, but I think it's hard because there's really not a model for that in many places that in the world today, right? We see, and for years, this has been the case, right? The world literally tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain at all costs. It shows us to show up with a smile on, to move fast, to not feel anything, right? Because performance is how we measure success. Monetary performance is how most people have defined success, but the reality of it is, is what, again, what is the point of money if you're lacking joy, freedom, and fulfillment in your life, right? I became a slave to the path that I was on. I was so deeply riddled by shame. I had such a deep level of anger that I didn't even know about. And ultimately, I was showing up in the majority of my life masking who I really was because I didn't even know the answer to that question. I was very good at what I did. I was a solid husband and a great dad. but. All that said, I also created a ripple effect of damage in my world that almost cost me everything. And I had to wake up and realize that I had to take ownership for it. Here's the really hard part about the trash from people's past and and the biggest issue that keeps most people stuck. There is no shame and blame in the fact that you have trash. The reality of it is the trash from your past is not even your fault. It's generationally inherited, patterned down, conditioned in. There's actual cellular memory that carries forward from a genetic standpoint into certain predispositions. But the trash from your past does become your responsibility. Once you realize, right, that you're burying others in yours or you become aware of it. And that's all that happened for me is I kept becoming more and more aware of deeper and deeper levels of trash. And I just realized that the best and most efficient way forward was to move through it, unpack it effectively to understand both the intellectual and emotional narratives that would cause me to react in any given moment, most of the time to ha- that had nothing to do with what was right in front of me and everything to do with that trash. So once I started to realize this for myself, I started living in a completely different way. I started having freedom and being able to tap into the abundant flow and who I'm supposed to be. Life got a lot easier, but it also took me from living in that low frequency, negative energetic and emotional space for months or years in some cases, down to the fact that I'm still human, I still get triggered, but now I only exist in it for minutes and moments. So largely, the rest of my life isn't impacted. Now, I figured, and hear me out, I know as a child, you had a near-death 
experience. Yep. Over 30 years ago, 31 to be exact. Yep. Ran out of fingers and toes. I had to do the hard math on that. So you didn't, I figured having a near-death experience, you weren't evolved from like that eight-year-old or seven-year-old to who you are now. Yeah. I would tell you that's exactly true. So since you talked about the near-death experience, I'll just bring the audience up to, to a quick element of understanding. When I was seven, I was run over by a truck. My spleen was torn. It left a tire track scar on my stomach, and it continued on to sever my left arm completely from my body. It's 10 feet away. Now, I wasn't doing anything wrong in the moment. I was standing next to my mom's car waiting for her to unlock the doors. But I believed that this was my transformation story for a whole lot of years. I really believed that. The truth is, it's the story that created a lot of trash and a lot of armor that I hid behind for a lot of years. And I didn't realize for 20 to 25 years that when I shut off physical pain because it exceeded my ability to cope, I also shut off mental pain, emotional pain, and spiritual pain for 20 to 25 years and didn't even know it. And so the reality of it is, is my body was what was most impacted. I had a physical trauma. And so it makes complete sense from the exterior world that the focus would be on the physical healing. But what's really interesting looking back, and I've asked my mom this, I've asked child life specialists this. My brother went to therapy afterwards. I never did. And largely it's because they were so convinced that I didn't even need it because I hid so far behind that armor and the narratives that I created. And it's been a lot of work over 31 years to start to actually unpack it. But I've had many moments of blindness, right? Because here's the reality, brother. When I walked out of the hospital, I had a sling and a teddy bear in between my sling to hold my arm at 90 degrees. I was seven years old. And I got really used to people asking me what happened to me, them expecting me to be like, yeah, I was racing my brother down the street on our bikes and we crashed or I flew off the jungle gym or whatever. But I'd look them deadpan in the eye and I'd say I was run over by a truck and my left arm was torn off. Now, immediately what would happen after they picked their job off the ground is they would pause and they'd turn to look to my parents for validation, which told me what? They did not believe my own truth. As I'm standing in it, communicating it to them, they have to look to another source to validate and verify that what I'm telling them is true. And I mean, how many of us have ever felt like our truth wasn't accepted? It wasn't seen and understood. It wasn't connected. That certainly doesn't make us feel safe or protected. And then those same people would start to view me through their lens of what they'd be capable of in my situation, immediately limiting me and telling me what I was and wasn't going to be able to do for the rest of my life because of this injury. And I didn't like either one of those. And I was listening to the narratives at the time, which was, well, if you're going to need a really strong mindset to get through this, you're gonna have to have mental toughness to get through this. So that's what I doubled down on. And I created a very strong narrative that I didn't realize for years was really just hiding behind armor because it was Brian's good. Brian's strong. Brian's capable. Brian can do anything himself. And I did at a really high level, prove to other people and prove to myself what I was capable of. But it ultimately led to when I was 20, I rebroke my arm almost lost it again, went 10 months with it hanging by my side and seven surgeons who were afraid to touch it. I broke it in a snowboarding injury, but it allowed me to realize the power of our narratives because I was surrounded by people, but I was completely alone. No one was there. I was very depressed. I was completely isolated. I was resentful and angry in the beginning. And then I started to realize the world just bought into my narrative. Brian's good. Brian's strong. Brian's capable. Brian can do anything himself. What they added to the narrative that I didn't was, oh, and if he needs help, he'll ask for it. In my most vulnerable period in life, I didn't have the courage to ask for help, but that was the moment that I started to really start to turn inward and realize the power and value of human connection and the power and value of vulnerability and authenticity, which I believe are the glue that binds human connection. And that kind of opened up that next window of my life to start to explore and evolve 
in small ways to get closer and closer to where I am today. Well, everything has to start small. People, the problem with people is, especially men, is we want instantaneous results. Always. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, shit, I don't have... I just started a new business. Why isn't it a million dollars in three months? What the hell? Exactly. I, I hear it all the time, not only from prospects, from clients, friends, whatnot. This is bullshit, man. I'm 80 pounds overweight and I'm only 78 two weeks later. It's like, well, isn't that progress? You know, it's small incremental. I mean, heck, if that was the case, you and I would have our own Netflix specials right off the bat, you know? Be household names like Brene Brown. But there's but there's so much power in even what you just said and the simplicity of it, because the choices that we make, whether we believe they do or not, compound over time, right? It would take that person years to get 80 pounds overweight, but in two weeks of effort, they're not seeing the results they want and they're quick and ready to give up, even though it probably took them a decade to put on that extra 80 pounds, right? And so we're so quick to minimize the impact of the compound effect, especially when it's negative that creates suffering in our lives. But yet we're very quick to avoid the things that actually drive results in our lives because they don't happen fast enough based on the outcomes that we expect, right? That's why they say that we way overestimate what can be accomplished in a year and way underestimate what can be accomplished in the span of a decade. Because the reality of it is the perception and manipulation of time we lose perspective on when we're in moments like this. I always just tell people, just worry about today, man. You know, it, would you have had success in general if you knew how long the process would? Or you wouldn't be like, okay, flipping the lid, your, your podcast. At first, it's a great idea. You know, you're expecting to have like, you know, these world-renowned Deepak Chopra, you know, on with like 5 million downloads an episode. Doesn't work that way. Nobody. But yet, you know, here we are one week at a time, one episode at a time, one download at a time, one talk at a time, because it's all you can focus on. People always ask me, oh, how long did it take to write the book or my two books or what? And I'm, I'm like, I never focused on that. The first one, I always, well, it it took me 47 years. And they have that. (laughs) Whoa. I'm like, no, I'm 40. I was 47 when it came out. But no, man, anything worthwhile. Entrepreneurship. If I knew the end result would take all, all that effort for the amount of money and to own five stores and whatnot, I'd be like, oh, shit, man. Maybe if I... Could have just worked my way to corporate America and, and, you know, had my weekends off and, you know, been checked out on vacation instead of being an entrepreneur and having to answer that call like at 11 or 12 at night because something happened or something broke or somebody called out. And that's why everybody, yeah, you're right. Time depends because we all love to lie to, to ourselves. That person, oh, well, you know, I'm morbidly obese, but it just happened overnight. It happened over one bad Thanksgiving and Christmas. Because, you know, they always love to say it right. it, just, it just happened. I have to fall for bankruptcy and have to liquidate everything because by by chance, you know, I had a bad, bad weekend. Yeah. Because, you know, it's hard to take accountability too, Brian. It's hard to say, man, I fucked things up. 
Well, and without ownership, there is no repair, right? Like if you play the victim and whatever damage takes place and you don't take ownership for your role, your responsibility, your contributions to it, then you're going to just continue to repeat that cycle. And that's what our trash does. It keeps us in this never ending perpetual cycle of not being able to escape those things. Right. And the reality of it is, is that that's the beautiful part about entrepreneurship. There is more risk, right? It's about timing and risk tolerance. There can be a lot of late nights, but there also can be so much time freedom that gets created by how you can choose to integrate your life outside of the rigid constructs of a nine to five. And so the reality of it is, is like, yeah, like anything, when you want to live further and further down the path that you desire for yourself, when you want to live and stand in your power and potential, there is going to be give and take in the decisions and the choices that you make right? I'm a believer that we can have it all in our lives. We can have deep, meaningful relationships. We can have successful businesses. We can have happiness, health, fun, freedom. We can have it all. But what does that require? It requires us to be vigilant in our efforts to live as authentically in alignment and congruence with who we are, who we're trying to impact and who we're doing this for as we possibly can. Because the greatest amount of resistance and energy drain that exists within us, within our businesses, comes from a misalignment in either intellectual and emotional narratives, or what we believe our intent are and what our actions are actually demonstrating to the world. Either one creates confusion. And that's why I believe living in the moment is the way. It's the only thing that's real. We often teach this concept, one moment, one step, one breath at a time, because that's all we can influence and control. And it's the only thing that we're actually seeing 100% accurately if we open ourselves to it. But living in this moment only works if we're clear enough on who we are and where we're going so that we can have the intentional aligned actions today in this moment that will compound in the direction that we desire, not the one that creates suffering. Amen. I mean, I I had a client who was concerned about, I might, I'm going to go broke. I'm going to go in 11 months, 12 months. I'm like, well, for starters, that's the future. Yeah. You're not even guaranteed tomorrow, much much less a year. Could could you imagine that? That's like, that's like me saying living like that. That's like saying, Brian, yes, I'm going to turn 50 and I'm going to die. Right. But bro, that happens all the time. I mean, I've got one of my greatest like stories that I love to tell is one of our clients that became a dear friend. Beginning of COVID, he literally, he's in the property management world who does development, investment, and property management. So they're in the real estate investment world on the commercial side. He told his team September of 2020 that they had 17 months of liquidity left, and he was telling them that so that they could go look for other jobs. At the time, he himself had just got on the tail end of a $600,000 settlement where he got screwed. He was owed over a quarter million dollars of his own wages from his own company that he foregoed to pay his team. They'd lived in the same house for a decade when they thought it was going to be a two to three year house. And now all of a sudden their sons are full grown men, teenagers, and their house is too small. He's out of weight. He's drinking. He's all these things, right? But he communicated 17 months of liquidity. He literally had almost committed a premature death to his company By putting that into the existence, what did we do? We sat for three months and we unpacked deeply. Within that first three months, we found out where the primary elements of his blocks came in, which had to do with a deep, deep, deep level of shame based on interactions that happened with his dad and his brother through the course of his upbringing that had manifested into deep control, deep scarcity that was actually energetically blocking everything he wanted. 18 months later, here was the result. 
They two and a half X the revenue in their business. And they did what they did that took them six and a half years. They did in 12 months after we got clarity. He extended benefits, new raises and new opportunities to all of his employees. They actually grew. They completed two eight-figure fundraising rounds within 60 days when they'd never completed a singular one before that. And they moved homes. He started exercising again, stopped drinking. And we get a call from his wife saying, oh my gosh, we would not have our house. We would not have our home. We would not have our life if it wasn't for him starting to be able to understand how to transform his waste into wealth through the processes that we determined for him. But just to your point, we future state fabricate a reality that's not even real yet. And we live into that because of the energy we're putting into it. When in reality, if we just go inward, then we get to live into who we are and things will flow in our direction if we can just get the fuck out of the way. You know, nobody, it's just me or nobody is a shiny, happy people to quote REM and Katie Pearson. Nobody has a bright future. Nobody's like, hey, you know what? 10 months from now, I'm going to be rocking. Everybody has like the Terminator, you know, the Cyberdyne, the, the worst case scenario. Either they're going to be homeless, completely broke. Everybody's going to hate them. Yeah, they're going to be in debt, debtor prison, which they, they create in their own head. They, they, they create their own existence with these nightmares instead of just like literally what we're talking about. Just focus on what you can do today. So that, that abstract future that possibly there's a possible, there's a possibility in anything. You know, there's a possibility that the guy 100x is it and is jumping on Oprah's couch. You never know. The, the fabricated future that is our future Terminator is really just a manifestation of the trash from our past that we're still carrying because we've not unpacked it or processed it, right? To your point on limiting beliefs, limiting emotional states, the byproducts of shame, and it's the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing. It shows up as perfectionism, control, guilt, scarcity, perfection. Like Across the board, it labels so many different emotions. Fear, right? Hesitation, resentment, anger are all byproducts of shame. But we don't ever think and identify that this could be the reason that I'm not believing that I have what it takes to be able to go out there and stand on my own two feet and have the impact in the world and also generate the income that I think is going to allow me to live my life. But all of that is a manifestation of all those moments of doubt, criticism, feeling unworthy, judgment that got layered on as early as age two, three, and four with parents, teachers, employers, and coaches that continued to tell us, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You shouldn't be that. You should want this. You shouldn't want that. You should make this amount of money, have this kind of car. You should never look like this. But here's the reality. Should is a shame-based word because it implies that whoever you are, whatever you're doing, it's not good enough. All that does is create trash. And every time we continue to push through to do that, what are we doing? We're pushing down all the trash from our past and we're shoving down who we really are until we live inside the box of who the world has told us who to be. And we wonder why we're so miserable and disconnected and not living to our power and potential. Well, it's because 90% of adults don't even know who they are and they've slowly killed all of their creativity because of all the armor and trash that they're still carrying. But yet so many people, the people that really need to fess up, really need to throw out the trash, per se, really need to hit those limiting beliefs, need to shut down that, tell that voice, that little voice inside your head to shut the fuck up. Why is it that person is always like the strong advocate that pretends to be the alpha male or it's like, oh, that personal development, that's all bullshit. That shit doesn't work. 
Because it's all armor and protection because they're actually afraid to look inward. And those are the exact people that I work with are the ones who believe they've never needed it. And all of a sudden wake up one day and realize they're not human and they're numb and they're, they've just been so disconnected. But there's also narratives in the world, right? There is toxic masculinity that's out there. We have this thing that now even has a term called hustle culture, which has so much toxicity and shame beat into it because it's not allowing people the freedom to explore who they are and how they're going to show that up in the world, right? We see these messages telling people that if you're not a multimillionaire or billionaire, I don't know, I've heard even this quote. If you don't make $400,000 a year, then you're a piece of shit. There've been large, large influencers who promote that kind of stuff. When in reality, that puts you in the top half percent of income earners globally. So let's stop setting an unrealistic precedent and instead encourage people to make as much money as they possibly can make by actually giving them ways to stand into who they are instead of trying to mold them to be more clones of someone else that already exists. Like... When we just further validate information in our lives to support the belief systems that tell us we're not good enough, what do we think is going to happen? We're not going to escape it, but we have to feel in order to heal, right? I almost lost my business. I almost lost my wife. I almost lost my kids because of my unresolved shame and anger, okay? All of it. And what's crazy is I used to always believe against type A alpha males that I was the one that had a problem. I was the one that was struggling. I was less than. I was unworthy. I would shrink down. Because to your point exactly, here's what was happening. They were reacting to what they couldn't read and understand in me. And they were putting armor to protect themselves in the energy that took place. Here's the truth. I was carrying so much armor and I have such a big energy and a big personality. You take my personality and deliver it through armor. It's confusing for people. They don't know how to read it. They don't know what to take. And this just requires us to understand the human experience. We all seek and desire four things, Omar. We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel protected. We all want to feel seen and understood. And we all want to feel connected. But the second we walk into a room and we don't feel safe and protected, we don't believe that we're going to be seen and understood or connected based on our prior experiences, what do we do? We tend to protect ourselves. So I want you to imagine, you know what those 35-gallon black trash bags are for the outdoor bins for like yard stuff? Unfold one of those and hold one, one corner right in front of you. Literally, like, let it just hang down in front of you. And imagine this. Anybody who's listening, do this. And I want you to view this as your armor. This is your armor that's a byproduct of your trash. Armor protects pain. Our trash are painful moments. Now, I want you to ask yourself, Omar, how can I properly portray or how could you properly portray who you are, what you want, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, your boundaries, how you're going to show up, your real intent, your heart, your soul, your desires, your care for others, the impact that you desire, and all the ways that you choose to live the world delivered through an opaque force field. And that's assuming that the other person isn't already carrying their own armor that's going to further dilute that message. And so every time we tend to protect ourselves, we actually guarantee that we're going to disconnect ourselves and get the two things that we want most, which is to be seen and understood and connected. And so we teach this concept of protector and connector. Okay. What does that mean? Any one of us, men, women, leaders in general, in businesses and communities and families, however you view it, we have the ability to set the tone in any singular room. So if we walk in and we're aware enough in ourselves to know when our armor is up or when we're in a self-protection state, we can lower our armor two ways. One, we can fabricate it in a moment by convincing ourselves that we're safe. Or two, we can unpack and do the deep work to the point that we don't even feel triggered in those spaces anymore so that that's not even an issue. I don't have to carry armor at all. But what does that mean? I can now lower my armor 
and wrap a layer of protection around the environment that I'm in to ensure that everyone is safe, everyone is protected, everyone is seen and understood, and everyone is connected. To your point on why does the typical alpha male go away from this? Well, armor and anger are both ways to push things away to create control in our environments. When we drop our armor and we exist with that soft front and that strong spine, we start attracting people to us. But because it's opposite of what we've been taught, it feels scary. Not only scary, but talk about being vulnerable. You're asking people to be completely vulnerable. You bring down that shield, that, that's vulnerability. And that, that's honesty. And that's showing the truth. And that's having people say, hey, I want you to accept me for who I am. I will take off my mask, love me or hate me. This is the real authentic me. And the reality of it is I say all the time, true strength actually hides behind vulnerability, right? Like it's it's truly something that is so important for us to understand. But here's the other part that's scary for people, okay? Being vulnerable doesn't mean that you have to share your deepest, darkest secrets with every single person you meet. It means that you have to be centered enough in you to exist with that strong spine, knowing that you know who you are, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do, so that you can be unwavering in that. You're not subject to criticism, judgment, or shame from an external lens, which means that you can see things neutrally and clear in the moment. What it means is that I'm lowering my armor because if my wife wants to come to me to talk about something emotional, I have an employee or someone who wants to talk about something challenging in their life. Do they ever want to come and lay their head down on a metal chess piece? No, they don't. And so it doesn't mean that I have to share every single thing about me. I do believe in leaders setting the tone of vulnerability by showing what's possible, but that doesn't mean you have to share everything. So that's the misnomer is everyone's like, well, if I just become vulnerable, then everybody's going to know everything about me in every situation. And I'm going to have to, no, you don't. There's layers. There's layers. And you get to read and determine based on those individuals, how much they receive it. Are they ones that want something from you or for you? Are they there to show up to care for you as well as about you? Those are the folks that you're going to lower everything for. But the point is, is I can't be viewed as a leader if I have a very apparent boundary and visible armor that's keeping people away. Whether I'm holding that trash bag or not, if my energy is protected, that's what people will feel. But a lot of times, too, though, we'll drop or we'll tell ourselves, I can drop the armor if the other person drops the armor. If, if then, equation. Or, I mean, so many of us are programmed, just surface, surface level. Even, even with people that we think we love and we let them in, which we really don't, we keep them at a distance. We keep everything so surface level. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing yeah. good. I think I think because that's what's safe for most people, right? That's where they believe they're not going to be judged, criticized, and made to feel unworthy is if they just keep it all surfaced, then we're safe. You're right, though. I mean, that's that's exactly right. Here's the reality. If you're someone who's waiting for someone else to lead, are you really a leader? No. <laughs> and so anybody who says, well, I'll, I'll share as soon as someone else does. Well, maybe you're not who you thought you were. Maybe you aren't the one leading the the room. Maybe you aren't the one who has the courage and ability to stand in your truth and be able to communicate that without repercussion, right? And by the way, that's okay. There are leaders and followers in this world. However, like if that's who you want to be and you want to be someone who is operating in your life with significance, with prominence, with impact, 
whether it's through your business, whether it's through your community efforts, whether it's through your community, it doesn't even matter, but it's going to require you to lead. If you're running a business as an entrepreneur, the only way you'll be successful is you know how to lead your clients, right? So if you're waiting for someone else to lead, what are you really waiting for? Leadership though, that, that's such a, that's such a profound, it's, it's a tough word because even in entrepreneurs, they're not really leaders. A lot of them are just bosses. Do yeah. it. Just do it. Don't, don't, don't question my authority. I want you yeah. to do it. Can be sound, unsound. And that, that's, that's not a leader. To me, I, I tell people all the time, if you want to be a true entrepreneur, lead, lead by example, because if you're the just do it, one, you're not ownership all goes back on you. You're not having your team excel. You're not having them go above and beyond. So many companies, you can tell the ones that, that have no leadership. That's not my department. Brian, I can't, can't answer that for you. I can't right. do that. That's someone else's job. That That's somebody that the company has like an HR policy, a manual, like, you know, like war and peace on everything that they cannot do. And it yep. never really tells you what you can do. Yep. No, I mean, you're right, man. I think uh, it's, you know, but again, we've gotten into such a litigious, protective society that I think it's only been compounded over the last decade, two decades, three decades. And when we've had more technology come in that has given us more aggregate information, more access to each other, more perspective on what exists outside of our own small circles in our worlds, it not only shrinks the world, but it also creates all this overwhelm for people that makes them think they need to protect even further, right? Because 30 years ago, you could be somebody who grew up in a remote town in Idaho, and you don't know what's possible or what's not possible because it's not existed there. So you've lived your life in a way that you've created this massive success Look at all the people today that live in this comparison game, that look at all the success that other people are having. They're like, well, I could never do that, right? It's an immediate shame and blame and self-protectionary cycle that just continues the issue. And so that's all we're trying to do is normalize. Look, we're all the same. We all make different amounts of money. We all have different relationships. We come and go and enter in different ways through this world. But we all feel the same things. We all experience the same things. And we all seek and desire ultimately the same things. Joy, freedom, fulfillment, deep level of connection in our lives, right? Meaning, purpose. But we stay on this freaking rat race path that is really creating more blinders than opening ourselves to who we are. Well, we just all want to deep down inside know that we, we truly matter. Yeah. And when you talk about technology, it, you know, in, in the 80s, if somebody would have told me, all this information, all, all this new technology, everything that we'd ha- I'd be like, man, this is really bringing the world together. But instead, you just have people more and more disconnected and more and more lonely. That, that's why when, yeah, can you be with someone? Can you be with a group of people and yeah. completely feel isolated and alone? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, many do, right? And I did for a long time. I. I I no longer feel that way. So I'm just trying to help make sure that as many others can live in a place where they can feel as connected as I do. Well, that, that, and that's, that's what I love about, about you that you're actually one of the only people full disclosure, not because I I was on your podcast that I'm completely aligned with because we have similar messages. We have similar wants, needs. We are in service. And I know if somebody's in a complete breakdown, I, I know 
Brian, you're not going to be like, well, I can possibly give that guy some time, but can you pay me? How much can you pay me? And, and, and that's, that's just how much, you know, how so many people are broken is that they will only help depending on your wallet or depending on what can they do for me? Do they have a big following? Right. That's another thing. Think about it. You talk comparison. We're in such a broken world that, well, I just want to post content, not that pushes people towards becoming better. I just want to have enough likes, enough fans, enough yeah. hearts. Like, like that truly matters. You know, when I die, I, I want St. Peter. He'll be like, well, it's iffy. I don't know whether I'm going to let you in, but let, let me see how many likes, how many comments, how many followers. But that's how people live their life. I mean... Those are all vanity metrics, just like money in the bank. I mean, I hate to say it. And I want to be really clear. I don't vilify money. I want people to make as much as they can. I want people to get as much engagement as they can. But again, there's a lot of people out there talking, very few with anything to say, and too many that blend in with the crowd because they're just regurgitating what others have told them to say or they believe is going to convert. But ironically, those that are getting the most attention and the most traction in many cases are the ones that are actually most in alignment with who they are, are most authentic to who they are in every given moment. And it is their vulnerability that attracts their following. Yet so many others are afraid to follow that path and model of just being exactly who they are. That's the ironic part about what we teach. The simplest way to live is in congruence with your most authentic self in every capacity. Yet we as human beings like to complicate the fuck out of shit and... Because that's the easiest way to live, we're going to make sure that we don't live that way. And we're going to create as much resistance, interference, and drain in our lives as possible because we're going to live inside who the world has told us who to be. This pattern happens way too frequently, but that's also why so many people sound the same. Well, people sound the same because they spend $49.99 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. To how to, you know, Dale Carnegie had his book on how to win and influence people. But now it's like, how you can become an influencer, how yeah. you can connect with an audience, how you can grow to 1 million followers. Why don't instead, why don't you be, you know, open up to who you are, yeah. be who you are. The world doesn't need a copycat of that guru or, or that personal development guy or yeah. that this guy or that whatever it is. Don't clone yourself. Don't sell yourself short. Be the best version of you. And if you want to be an influencer, start influence yourself, influence your family, influence your friends and go from there. But yep. what's the point? I mean, if want I just hire a couple of hot chicks, get 100,000 downloads of, of my videos, my content, who cares what my content is? Because, you know, gosh, darn it. Omar's with those hot women and he, he's got that Lambo that he rented and he leased and he has that Airbnb, man, he's such a great guy. He's such an influencer. Could, could you imagine? I mean, do, does the priest, does the minister, when they're doing the eulogy say, Hey, here lies such and such. What an influencer. <laughs> no, no, they don't. You know, I think again, to me, it's all about impact. Right. And I think if we're creating impact, we are living in a place of influence. And impact doesn't have to be measured in all those same ways as vanity, right? Like, here's the reality. If you just even look at what we're talking about with the trends, 
we have some reels that have gone as high as seven to seven and a half million views. We have many that are in 500 to well in excess of a million views. We've got lots that are in the 10,000 to 50,000 range. And then even more below 10,000. Six months ago, we would be averaging six to 10,000 views per reel. Today, some of our engagement has dropped. We've had things happen in our business. We could be in the hundreds or low thousands today when just six months ago we were high. I've also been up as high as almost 30,000 followers and dropped all the way back down to 13,000 followers based on shifts, focus, and timing. And we don't have control over any of that. What do we have control over? We have control over how we show up, where we show up, the standard at which we show up, right? I've been consistent and persistent in the way that we do things. Even when our views have dropped down, we're still posting three to four times a day. We're still mixing things up. We're still getting creative to figure out what's going to land now because the algorithms change every day and we can't play the algorithm game. We have to play the relationship game. And what we know is the level of impact that exists through our world we have to create the vehicles and the mechanisms for us to be communicating with them beyond our social platforms so that we truly can understand what impact really is beyond views. And that's what we focused on in the last 18 months more than anything is bringing more and more people into our world to shorten their curve, to get them where they want in alignment with who they want. But it's not about understanding the metrics externally. It's about understanding what's the impact behind the metrics because the metrics are going to change and there's going to be seasons. But wouldn't it be so tiring, too, if you were chasing metrics? Oh, it would be very tiring. One day you have Brian, the serious guy. Well, yeah. serious isn't in now. It's Brian, the funny guy. Brian's yeah. wearing this mask. What? Brian's acting out this. I mean, it would be tiring. The biggest compliment anybody can ever tell you is, you know what, Brian? You're the same guy. And all your reels. You're the same guy in every episode of your podcast. Because then that means you're being your true, authentic self. That's right. I mean, biggest somebody. I don't care if somebody tells me they love my books, hate my books, or whatnot. The biggest compliment anybody will ever tell me is, you know what? It sounds just like you. And I'm like, well, shit, I hope so. It's me. (laughs) I agree. I think the greatest compliment is when people tell me that I'm real, right? And that is, that's what, that's one of the measuring, measuring points that we do look at. Am I showing up the same omnipresent in terms of platforms? Do I show up the same with my family that I show up with my clients that I show up when we run retreats that I show up when I go speak on big stages that I show up in my one-to-one coaching that I show up in our group coaching, right? Like any or all of that matters. And that's feedback that we've used consistently over these last few years is like, yeah, I can just feel the authenticity. Like I can feel the truth. I can feel how real and. That doesn't, I don't sit here and say that from a place of impressing. I'm saying it to impress upon the point that you made, which was that's the measurement I care most about because I believe in many cases that through our work, I have to be the man and the mirror. I have to be the man in the work that I've done, how deep I've dug, and now in the example that I cast, but I have to be the mirror in how I reflect back the trash from people's past that will ultimately allow them to be set free. 
And when we can start to put these patterns in place to allow people to go inside, remove what no longer serves them, and operate with the five pillars in our waste to wealth method that are guaranteed for any individual or organization to identify or remove the waste they didn't even know existed with inside and transform it into wealth generating activities that are guaranteed to connect and convert right? That's why we teach these philosophies. But if I showed up in this position, teaching the concept of vulnerability and authenticity, and I didn't share anything about my life, anything about my emotional struggles, anything about how I've had to go inside, any ways that I had to repair my marriage, reverse generational patterns, completely shut down businesses because they were out of alignment, right? If I don't talk about that stuff openly, then who the fuck am I, right? Like who the fuck am I? Because the reality of it is the example that I cast that, look, Stuff still triggers me. Stuff can still come up. It matters. How do I respond and move through it in this moment so that I ensure I don't create any more damage in my world by reacting? Well, Brian, to answer that question, who the fuck would you be? You'd be like so many self-help guys, so many influencers that once that camera cuts off, once that webinar, they're like, it's just the role they play. Zero alignment. Their, Their actions, their words never aligned. They're playing a character. And you're, to me, it took a while because I was like, so I was crushed because yeah, I don't play a character. So I never thought all these people that I, 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 you know, maybe it was me putting them on such a pedestal and then seeing, you know, behind the curtain, that's just a character. That's not yep. actually them. Yep. No, I agree with that completely. Uh, and I played a character in a role for a lot of my life, so I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> I think I think we all do. I mean, I, I I was the even though I did the personal development and business development, I was always the character. Hey, I'm I'm the business guy. When you're feeling bad, fuck your emotions. Just do it. Depressed, overcome it. Just do it. And, and then you know, I woke up one day. I'm like, man a fucking asshole yeah for for telling what bullshit man it's like i hope nobody called me out on it and, and you know, everybody's like well you know years later you know we love who you are but it was like yeah i was a fucking idiot for telling people hey suck you know like you know old school suck it up yeah dude just do it right because that that's that's how we were raised. And we're still, we still pride ourselves. Woo, Generation X. Hey, guess what? Suck it. Assholes, we sucked it up. Well, that wasn't necessarily the best thing to do, man. Just mm-hmm. be, just live. Be emotional. We're human. You know, yes, we cry, we bleed, we laugh, we fall, we get up. Just don't fucking wake up and if you're feeling like shit, you know, just bury it. Because like what you said, that trash just keeps on compounding. It does. Compounding. It just keeps piling up. Until you you drown in your own bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's like I said, you heard me say this earlier. I think that vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that binds human connection. But what I had to learn years after understanding that is that human connection without emotion isn't really human connection. Right? So to your whole point of like, look, being emotional is a part of the human experience. The more we can accept that, understand that, appreciate that, and realize that just like everything in life, there's a spectrum of emotions, and people will inherently feel them differently because of their unique experience, which also goes to show that there's not a singular way to deal with emotion, 
right? Because we all process it differently. But human connection without emotion isn't really human connection. So I guess the question becomes, how disconnected do you feel? And pay attention to the correlation in that into how much do you actually feel emotion? I'll bet you they're directly correlated. 100%. Now, Brian, flipping the flipping the lid with Brian Boger. One of my favorite shows, not because I'm on it, full disclosure, I do, I do love it. I love watching the YouTube videos way better than the stuff I put up. Why? Was that like a, a by you just wanted to be synergistic and be hitting on every level? Or is it just to me it's it's therapy? Believe it or not, I'm like not not only do I get to vent, not only do I get to throw out the trash with my emotions talking to people like you, but I also take notes, man. I'm I'm like P I'm I'm having people speak to me for free when I should pay them. <laughs> Is that what you get out of it? I mean, the amount of successful people that I've I've been able to meet through just podcasting and and yeah. just every day learning something new, it's just an amazing thing. The the why for me really came down to timing. I never really wanted to start my own podcast long form. Though I've had multiple other live shows for the last few years because there's no friction in them and I've appreciated that. I've also been a guest on over 600 other people's podcasts, right? In the last two and a half to three years. And so for me, this was a chance to be more interested than interesting. And the concept of flipping the lid, as you know, and you remember from the show is really going deep inside people's stories and recognizing those elements of the human experience that we all identify with. It's not just the glitz, the glamour, and the highlight reels. It's the, what are we still struggling with? What are we blocked by? What are we still protecting? And so to be congruent, my wife and I were the very first episode because how could I ask someone else to flip open their lid if we haven't let and done it first, at least in that format? And it's funny that you say that it's kind of like therapy because we've now interviewed about 60 people. We've only released about 20. And so far, and I don't, again, I don't say this to brag. It's just been really, really powerful. Almost every single guest that's been on the show has said it's one of their favorite podcasts to be a guest on. And I would tell you that 80 to 90% of them have said that our show was like them sitting in a coaching or a therapy session because of what they extracted and learned about themselves. So yes, it's cathartic for me. It's learning for me. It's bringing more people into my world. But I also believe that everything that flows through me and benefits me ultimately impacts everyone that we serve. This platform is a way for us to normalize some of the discussions that I think need to be had, right? That we aren't necessarily having in the public space. You know, we've had some huge names on the show who've gotten very emotional and very raw. We've had people who are worth $250 million literally sit in a chair and tell us that they woke up as empty as their 15,000 square foot house four years ago. And they now have realized the difference in doing the internal work, right? When people look to individuals who have money, significance, and prominence in the public eye, often they view that through a lens of high credibility in how they're going to interpret in their own lives. So when we get people of that prominence and significance who are really showing the deep, dark, raw elements in the moments that they had self-doubt, the moments that they struggled, the moments they almost gave up, the moments they got screwed. It gives everyone permission to feel and say things that they wouldn't have otherwise. And it gives words for some to articulate or understand their situation, which they may not have other. And 
that allows them to act or do in their own lives. And by the way, those are the four areas I believe we all suffer. The things that are left unsaid, things we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate or understand, or the things that are left undone. So this show is to fix these middle two so that everyone who's listening can act and do and free themselves with all the right tools to do so. Now, flipping the lid with Brian Bogart on, well, I'm an Apple guy. So Apple, Spotify, and Brian and I are such connected individuals. We actually have the same guests on this week's podcast. It's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, I, I, when I saw that, I'm like, man. So you had Nick Shelton this last week then? No, Kim Daly. Oh, Kim Daly. Kim Daly's episode, I think, drops tomorrow for us. Oh, so yeah. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Another one. You know, I love Kim. She's amazing. Yeah, she's a great individual. Man, you know what I love about you is when I, I was on your episode on your podcast and, you know, vice versa, we can speak for hours and hours. Time just goes by like that, just because we do have it. We are like-minded people, but, you know, I know your time is valuable. I know about flipping the lid, but how do the viewers, the listeners, everybody find you, social media, stalk you, hire you, all the above. Yeah. So uh, if you want to learn more about flipping the lid, you can also go to flippingthelid.com. And it'll take you to all of those channels as well as all the social. What I would tell you, though, is if you're a social person and that alone, go to at Bogert Brian on any channel, including YouTube, or go to brianbogert.com if you're a web person. Both of those will be entry points for you to learn how to engage in our world. We've got a variety of pathways. And if it's not clear to you, reach out through a DM, through an email, because at the end of the day, We're on a mission to impact over a billion lives as quickly as possible by reducing the level of suffering that exists on this planet. And we're intimately aware that 99.999% of people will never pay us a dollar. So we have many free or very low barrier of entry from a financial perspective for you to get the help you need, all the way up to my intensive one-to-one coaching with some of the world's highest performers. So we'd love to help. We love to create impact. And ultimately, we just love people. Brian, one final question. Words of wisdom would you give that guy that surface level, deeply wounded, just keeps on burying everything, lives in his past, puts up that shield, has that mask, but just keeps on going, bleeding out with all this pain inside? Yeah. If you don't feel, you won't heal. It's actually been scientifically proven. There's 40,000 cells in the heart called sensory neurites. They're brain-like cells that have cellular memory. And what they've shown is that if you go through the intellectual process of talking about the patterns of your past alone, but you don't penetrate or connect that 18-inch journey from your head to your heart and embody the associated emotions, that those 40,000 cells don't heal. They don't move, they don't grow, and you will perpetually seek that same, same cycle. But what I can tell you is that what you believe is impossible is very possible. What you believe is just out of your reach, I promise you, is just right there within your grasp. And the number of people that I've worked with who have buried this and set up so much armor in their lives for 40, 50 years in some cases, within 12 to 18 months of doing the right work, they're living a completely different life in a way that they never envisioned. People get off of, like, they stop drinking. They literally stop taking antidepressants and sleep medications and all these pieces that have helped them navigate the world up until this point. And now they get to live with such deep meaning and connection because what they believed was never possible very much is. And so 
I hope you don't lose doubt, but I also want to tell you that there's nobody coming to save you. Find a guide because someone can show you the way, but no one can walk the path for you. So I just encourage you to take the first step. Man, I love it. Brian, I love you. You're an amazing guy. Thank you. Sorry that we didn't do it a month ago or whatever. Oh, bro. Timing's always perfect. Timing's always perfect. God in the universe wanted us to do it right here and right now. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy, your effort, and all the golden nuggets that not only me, but for my audience. Thank you, brother. Take care, my friend. What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.